Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Ben Porter. With me, co-host Charlotte Porter. Hello, hello. And we're joined this Independence Day by James Naylor of Naylor Games. Hello. Glad hello. to be here. Good. It's a very debonair hello. <laughs> oh. I like that. So you should introduce introduce yourself each time. <laughs> You've got to have a podcast hello, right? I mean, yeah. that's that's yeah. really, really crucial. Yeah, yeah, I think people are expecting sophistication now, though, James. So <laughs> you have to deliver. Yeah. So I, I'll, I, in which case, then I, I'll put on my best kind of accelerated RP accents for the remainder <laughs> of this podcast, just just to meet everybody's expectations and try and sound <laughs> impossibly posh at points if I can. Good. Yeah. Yep. Great. Okay. Um, so the reason that uh, James is on the the show is first of all because. He's a good guy. We thought, you know, let's get him on, let's get get him on. on the show. We met let's him at Tabletop Scotland. We, we did meet James at Tabletop Scotland at the, the playtest zone. Uh-huh. We did. Yeah. Um, but the reason that James was at the playtest zone mm-hmm. is because he is currently working on a game called Magnate. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yes. So tell us a bit about Magnate. Okay. So um, Magnate is, is I always find this quite challenging in terms of describing it just to start so do so apologies now if i don't give it the absolute best possible pitch that i can but i will but i will try to kind of come describe it for you so magnate is a property theme board game um and in magnate uh, each player is a property developer trying to make as much money as they can in a city that's going through a property boom so what happens is different plots of land come up for sale. You buy those plots of land, and then you have to choose what you're going to build on the land. And kind of unlike a lot of games where it tends to be, if there's a building element to them, the idea is, is that, you know, you like a classic Euro game, you're always building things like a mill here or a small factory there, and you build your building and it works straight away. But in Magnate, what it's trying to model is something a lot more like how property actually works. So rather than uh, doing that, you, you build your building, but it's empty. And you have to try to attract tenants to move in. So the kind of core of the game is the idea that different locations are going to be more, going to be attractive to different extents, to different kinds of tenants. So you're mm-hmm. sort of strategically picking the right building for the right location. Um, and then uh, as you as you do that, you start accumulating more money from rent. You can start choosing to sell your buildings for sort of big cash lump sums. Um, uh, and the property market is heating up constantly in the game. Uh, until the point at which, of course, like all property bubbles, it becomes completely unsustainable. And yep. a crash has to come. And when that happens, the game is going to end. But you can't tell exactly for certain when it's going to happen. So you have to kind of push your luck and work out based on everyone else's behavior when you think they might want to try and crash the market. Uh, and very simply, the person who manages to get out when the time is right and they make themselves the biggest pile of cash from property that they can, they're the winner. So it's capitalism the game. Cap- well, <laughs> capitalism the board game, basically, pretty much. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think let's get the question out of the way right away. Is it like Monopoly? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The answer to this one is, you know, this is this is such a this is this is great. Uh, this is actually the question that I most like getting. Because actually, when I set out to create Magnate, that's exactly what I wanted to do. But I, I didn't. I, I wanted to make like a good Monopoly, 
I wanted to give people the same feeling that they would have as children when they sort of got, got Monopoly out. And there's all this like holding cash in your hands and buying up lots of property and making loads of money, all the kind of really good stuff, right? But um, I, I wanted to actually make a good game out of that. So, so I, I actually, from the very beginning, um, that, that's, that's sort of the dream feedback for me. And actually, I recently, I recently had some great feedback on it when several different people have said independently to me, without prompting for me, which is great, is that they've said, uh, Magnate is the game that Monopoly should be. I was just going to say that because I have heard from two separate people that playtested okay. it at Tabletop Scotland. Uh, that said it's the game Monopoly wants to be. Yeah, well, I guess this is it, right, is that the premise for Monopoly sounds good, but yeah. it just turns into a horrifying, <laughs> you know, experience that just makes you want to gouge your eyes out before it even actually comes to any sort of conclusion. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think in that sense, I think, unfortunately, I would say that where my game loses to Monopoly is that Monopoly is actually more like capitalism <laughs> than my <laughs> <laughs> in that in that that's exactly what happens you know it goes on too long uh everyone in the end almost everyone else gets squeezed except for one person yeah. that does exceptionally well out yeah. of it you know all those sort of things there's a kind of terrible runaway leader problem and it's dreadfully unfair so um uh so for all those reasons you know i i feel like i feel like monopoly actually looks more like a real property game yeah. in many ways but actually is, is actually less like less like real life in that sense but that's very much to its benefit yeah. So f- forgive me if uh, if you already know this, James, but I-, I did a bit of reading up on Monopoly recently. And did you know that it was originally called The Landlord Game, Charlotte? No, I did not. It was called The Landlord Game, and it was originally designed to illustrate how the system did not work. Oh. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting history behind that. Yeah, because wow. it was, I-, I can't remember her name, but it was a lady who designed it. And the point was to illustrate that the capitalist system is broken because you end up with one person with all Running away. the stuff. Yeah, yeah, but that, but it's it's a shame that that message yeah. has been sort of lost and diluted. But as James says, in that way, Monopoly yeah. truly represents. There's something about Monopoly though that, like I, I've all, I've always enjoyed playing Monopoly. I don't think it's a great game, but I've enjoyed playing it. Apart from whenever I play it with certain people, yeah. It just becomes like a the memories I have of the game is more about the screaming fight that <laughs> ensued. <laughs> Nothing to do with the game, just the total. You know, it's like why? Why do we do this to ourselves? The, the why do we continue? Counseling <laughs> sessions and all of that. <laughs> why yeah. do we continue to play this <laughs> game year in, year out at Christmas <laughs> to the same result? Yeah. Totally ruining Jesus's birthday every time. <laughs> like no. Yeah, sure. Every, every single time, and yet, as you say, like what's really amazing about it is that is that it happens every yeah. year, regardless. Yeah. And that and that you think of all the different like sets of different branded and themed yeah. sets of US USAopoly make every year, and how families are consistently going through this same cycle, this sort of like tragic cycle where they can't learn, yeah. like a tragic hero that every time the game will come to destroy. <laughs> Any post-Christmas lunch family bliss will be obliterated when uh, when Monopoly comes out. Yeah, pretty much. It is truly a force for evil, Monopoly. I always remember (laughs) it would be that game that my dad would be like, "Right, you can bring it out, but only, only if there's no arguing. The minute there's an argument, it's just getting thrown away." And I remember there was even one time I think he did, like he threw it off the table because he was like, "I'm done." (laughs) Yeah, just table flip. That's it. 
but right, yeah. okay. I think that's how most games of Monopoly actually end. <laughs> end. They should Some have that in the rule book. As soon as someone table. flips the table, the game is over. Well, I mean, mercifully, I think the good thing when someone flips the table over and just components go flying is that that's is going to at least bring an end to it. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah, because yeah. one of the one of the classic things about Monopoly is just like particularly if you play it with with the rules that are in the box, is just how how how. how just damn long it takes to play there's no sense of like it being contained as a game well the last time that i played it i i don't remember any rage moment it was just that like slowly but surely the players dropped off where some someone was just like i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna make a cup of tea and then never (laughs) came back and i think at one point i'm i'm done i'm tapping out this is it because it, it becomes a grind yeah but the um, so to to go back to to Magnate because we've we've waffled yeah, quite waffled a bit about Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. But to, to go back to Magnate, um, alluding to um, the the origin story of yeah. Monopoly, we discussed where originally it was made to illustrate a point. But because of the capitalist themes of um, of, of Magnate, and you alluded to the the financial uh, crash. That is a game mechanic. There, do you yeah. do you feel some responsibility when it comes to representing these things? Because I mean, it, it, as funny as it can be, and, and obviously we, you know, in recent years we've heard a lot of satire about you know financial corruption and crashes. But the the reality is that for a lot of people, these sorts of events do spell tragedy. Do you, yeah. do you feel some responsibility mm-hmm. with representing these things in the game? So I think that's a, that's a really interesting question. Uh, it's partly because I think that's a theme that I see just being discussed in general, not just in the context of something like um, capitalism or financial mm-hmm. crashes in particular, but in the context of games in general. It's like how they deal with some sort of difficult themes. Um, being completely <laughs> honest about with uh, about with, with Magnates, uh, I sort of felt like a slight sense of duty to be somewhat realistic about it. Mm-hmm. So... The way that the crash works is that the crash is inevitable. So the game will all there'll always be a market correction. That will never not happen. And I think people's fantasy that things can keep going up in price forever was something that I thought in a in a way that would be entertaining, because I think that's important because it's a game. I wanted to embed that in the game. So the way that the way the crash works. So the timing is never precise, but it is always going to happen inevitably. Because I guess in much the same way, the, so the original intentions behind Monopoly was this idea of like, um, we want to represent this difference. And I, and I believe from when, you, when you mentioned, I believe from my understanding of it, you could play originally either, either as tenants or as landlords. Okay. And basically the tenants in always lost pretty much. And that's why, to be honest, the very first version of it wasn't a very good game. And so what the Parker Brothers did was go, oh, it sucks how like one person always loses if they play the tenants. Let's just get rid of that bit and make it all about just landlords because they realized that that would be make it more entertaining. Um, so, uh, so I still think it, to make the game still an enjoyable and entertaining experience, uh, it's, it's much the same way in Magnate. I wanted to bake that into it, but there's a kind of exciting mechanic around that. I think in terms of the wider social impacts of what that has, I just don't see that a game like Magnate is there to do that. It's not there to kind of encourage any kind of rampant consumer behavior or rather like rampant speculation. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's there to sort of explore those that side of things, I think. I mean, I mean you could make a game about that, which could be very interesting. Um, I'm sort of minded enough to think a little bit of the game that I probably most want to play more than any other board game right now that I haven't. 
which is uh, a game which you may have heard of called Holding On, The yeah. Troubled Life I, of Billy I Kerr. knew you were going to say that as soon as you started talking about uh, yes. games dealing with these themes. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I think that is so fantastic. Deciding to take on a uh, to take on a theme like that in a game game form, so I think you probably could do something, but I can't I can't honestly say that Magnate is in any sense an attempt to genuinely deal with the sort of uh, with the sort of the social and real personal impacts of things like property crashes. It's more like um, what it's trying to embed and trying to get across is more of the idea that that, it, there, that people will always be motivated by speculation, that people act in a herd mentality, which actually happens at the end of the game, where you're kind of watching what everyone else is going to do is everyone going to rush in that mar- and because markets are kind of irrational and people follow each other's lead all the time yeah uh, and then it captures that idea that the, the, the house prices cannot go on up indefinitely forever that, that's more what i think it's trying to capture in that sense um, sort of on that theme we touched upon this in an earlier episode i think we were talking about how sensitivity and approaching certain subjects so obviously when i was when i was reading the the blurb for magnate my first thought to ben i said was reminds me of sim city and i absolutely loved sim city but it's it's not done in the same sort of caricature way that sim city is and we started talking at the last episode about how you do get some games that sort of trivialize a lot of the issues mm-hmm. or they, they use it as a sort of gimmicky not component. necessarily deliberately yeah. But, yeah but i get the impression that that's maybe not something that magnate's aiming to do it's not aiming to lampoon or to to try and take Mo- away monopoly does that <laughs> yeah. right it, yeah. monopoly is essentially a cartooning of uh, yeah. the the whole landlord sector yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah, I think I think that that's interesting. You say that that that's a really interesting point about um, the cartoony aspect of um, Monopoly because you have in that this idea of people, all the different ca- the cards you draw. That there are obviously things like the the just stupidly comic cards, like the second prize in the beauty contest, or but obviously things about the repairs and some of the landlord things associated with them. Um, in Magnate, it is it is much more core. It is an economic game which is built around the idea of property and how it actually works. So yeah, things like the exact rental amounts people pay are not necessarily always very realistic, but um, that kind of thing. But it is basically pretty pretty straightforwardly, it's just looking at that, that model and how that works. So it doesn't try to make it into a kind of comic thing. It should be fun and enjoyable. But in fact, one of, one of the main goals for it is that actually when I see other board, city building board games, the one thing actually, I've got to be honest, that I find a bit frustrating about lots of them uh one that i've seen that i've again not played but i'm really keen to play it called expansity for example is that um it's all very kind of colorful and looks kind of kiddie and it's like hey we're going to build a city but the bits are all kind of going to look a bit the same and uh, it's all very very colorful and actually something with magnate we've gone for for example i'm in the midst of having created right now is uh the artwork for the board which is kind of a lot more close to aerial photography i've taken more of my inspiration from things like war game art because i wanted to have something that looked really kind of realistic so that the city really grows before your eyes i mean for me it's you mentioned sim city for me for me my my favorite sim cities was probably sim city 4 because it was the one that was the most realistic it really went for like this is what happens you know balancing a budget is really really hard in in terms of a city there are realistic social effects from uh, education crime all these sort of things and i and i in magnate I, I wanted a, a city that grows fairly realistically and that feels kind of real. Um, but 
so yes yeah, so that's kind of the approach that i've taken so on that subject actually talking about you know trying to create a sort of very realistic game the prototype i remember seeing the prototype at tabletop scotland and uh, yes <laughs> it drew my attention because the prototype from what i remember correctly had some lego trees some Monopoly money <laughs> and some other components yes. that just looked fantastic. I don't know what it looked like, but it just, it was so attention drawing. Yeah. It was great. Uh, that, yeah, I, that, uh, it was, um, uh, <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, certainly yeah. attention grabber as a black and white prototype. I mean, uh, uh, the Le Lego, um, it's at the moment, and I should just, to just make sure for your listeners, uh, just to disappoint them maybe right now oh, no. that, that there won't be any lego in the final version of it uh it won't be made of lego haven't won that license yet we'll have to see how that goes to see if lego group approached me and they said james we love magnate we want you to make a second edition in lego uh but um the reason i chose lego is because it's just incredible prototype material and one of the things i was always really certain of from the start yeah. is that this game would have three-dimensional buildings because that that there's not there's a real like in the games i have seen that have physical buildings or those kind of 3d objects in there's a real aesthetic pleasure oh, yeah. to the way that, that develops um it's why expansity has 3d buildings even if it's got a very different kind of approach to design color and game design um uh so i thought well what's the material that i can use that will give that feeling in a really kind of fairly basic looking prototype and requires absolutely no hand-eye coordination whatsoever uh because i am terrible at craft stuff I am so bad. I, I go on these these groups for these Facebook groups for designers, and I see people making saying, "Hey, here's my prototype," and it's this beautiful. It's just this just thing I threw together, and it's this lovely, gorgeous, <laughs> illustrated thing. And I'm looking at it thinking, "Oh my god, I can't even come close to that." What I can do is just basic black and white lines using Adobe InDesign, and then I can make the buildings from Lego because it requires no physical skill. It just requires some kind of slightly artistic way of capturing the essence of a building, which is something that I can do. So. Um, I figured that would be a great prototype material. Uh, and it's proven really successful because when I take it to conventions and I put it out there, it's very eye-catching compared yeah. to lots of prototypes because there's this big cluster of buildings in the middle of the table and they're like, what's that? Um, a good ex example happened to me actually at Tabletop Scotland uh, when I got to have some children playing the game for the first time. Uh, and, and, I, and I was really keen to have more children as playtesters because uh, they came to table and there were several games there out there. And actually, you know, there wasn't a single bad looking prototype among them. They all look reasonable. But at the end of the day, mine sprawled across half a table and it had this <laughs> cluster of Lego buildings in the middle and piles of paper cash. And, uh, and, and the parents said, now, which one of these games would you like to play? And I can tell you from that moment, I knew they were going to play Magnate. Because they just looked at that and they were like, oh, clearly the Lego one. Uh, so, um, <laughs> the Lego one, you idiot, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I was like, I've got this. I've got this. So, um, and it was brilliant, actually. I have to say, just to just add to that, when they actually played it, because they whooped their parents. The two dads <laughs> were obliterated. And the funny thing was, I was sat next to one of them. I was trying to help him out. He was kind of playing. He was trying to win. Like, he wasn't just going to be like, oh, let the kids win. But they were so good at just like, I think Magnates has got a bit of maths in it, but it's very basic arithmetic that you have to do. And I think, I think if you're about, I think these children were maybe about nine, nine or 10. And I think if you're at school, you're kind of used to doing lots of arithmetic that you get out of the habit of as an adult. And I, so, I was just going to say in general, if you, for anyone out there who is planning to play a game with a child, 
never underestimate a child's ability <laughs> to grasp the game mechanics. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. it's uh, it's a bit um, it's a bit scary at times <laughs> how quickly kids can pick up games. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that's very true. And and they 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 picked it up and they loved it. Like it was so great. Like I, I like give them like I'd, I'd like I'd be I was being the bank and I was like here's two give them two million they just sold this building, and handing my the two million cash over to them for their housing development and then they just and then one of them just turned to the other because they were kind of playing as a team and they just said and they said look we've got more money than we can count. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. They are loving this so hard. They have totally committed to this, yeah. which was which is just great. So um, re- returning to what you'd said near the beginning of the show about with Magnate how you you wanted to sort of fix Monopoly it, it, it's something that we've heard a couple of designers say actually because um, certainly with uh, Kitty Cataclysm yeah. uh, which uh, Bez Shariari is working on at the moment she said that, that she liked Flux but hated the fact that it didn't have a definitive runtime. Yeah. So that's interesting yeah, yeah so, so she sought to create a game that, that was similar and and also solved that that problem but with, with that sort of design philosophy do you risk creating a game that's defined more by what it's not than having any sort of defining character of its own i think that's kind of that's a really interesting question um i think inevitably it will be some seen as somewhat in response to something and i think um it kind of depends what the game is i think if you were I think in a funny way, it being, for example, I mean, I think um, uh, Kitty, what, what, what's it called again? Remind, remind me what, what the name, I can, Kitty, Kitty, Kitty Clasm? That's Kitty the, Cataclysm, yeah. Kitty, this, this, Kitty Cataclysm. This uh, trip uh, Josh up for ages. At one, <laughs> one, he was calling it Kitty Clasm for a while. He's called it Clitty Cataclysm as well. There's, there's, that I, there's, will. There are some unfortunate combinations around that. Yes. <laughs> which, don't bear talking about but uh but they uh but that, that's kitty cataclysm all right so, the, yeah. so that's uh, i think it's i mean firstly i mean i think um bez she's a brilliant designer i think that's the first thing i want just want to say is that that's really that i just to say that's i think it, it's really interesting that also she's decided to do that in response to kind of flux mm-hmm. i think in both cases but maybe even more so to be honest with monopoly that the, the thing is is that that is a game which will probably never be equaled in terms of awareness Yes. So there, no one will ever create a game that will be like bigger than Monopoly, realistically. The Certainly, only awareness will... it will be surpa- surpassed quite comfortably in just about every other respect. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh yeah, in like every other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. General awareness. So if you release a game and then people say and they only talk about it in relation to Monopoly, there isn't really a better thing for them to talk about it in relation to. Yeah. Because, like, it's like if, if 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 your game becomes famous for being the game that everyone goes, don't play Monopoly, play this. Uh, I mean, then I mean, I think that's brilliant. That would that would secure an absolutely vast uptake if that's genuinely what people were saying all the time. So, from my point of view, I think um, it. I know it will be very different. I'm very confident in its mechanics and its design. And the the experience that it gives people, and this is it sort of delivers on that childhood promise of monopoly. At least that's what several people have now said to me, which was kind of my design goal. And I must admit, it's been very humbling and flattering to finally to kind of hear that. Um, 
so I think in some ways the association with Monopoly are kind of already there already. So I'm kind of very happy for it to be people to say to define it in relation to Monopoly. I think from my point of view, because I know it will come off very good in that and come off very well in that comparison. So what what sort of stage are you at with the development of Magnet? So I, this is really another really good question because I sort of feel like it's really hard sometimes to, to describe what the stages of these kind of development of these de- development is so i'll attempt to describe where i am with it i suspect if you're a really experienced publisher you probably have some really clear milestones that the things are at and um, the state i'm at the magnate the moment is that um I-, I think about it in a few different streams i guess one of them is the game itself and the game itself is now really reaching a pure balancing stage so fundamentally it works really quite well it delivers on its design goals it's it creates a good experience People are saying really nice things about it, having a lot of fun playing it. But there are, because it's a, it's a sort of mid-weight strategy game, you need to play a lot of times before you discover there are any issues with balancing. So things like that is what I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Like, should this building have a slightly higher capacity? Should this building have a slightly lower cost? Those kinds of questions, mm-hmm. uh, which you can't really know a priori, even if you were a maths genius you would find it really hard to predict that because of the number of different variables going on. So it's a sort of balancing stage. Uh, however, on a completely separate production track, um, I'm in the middle of assembling the first ever kind of pretty prototype. So the first one that will kind of resemble a final product in some way. Um, because, my, again, my design approach to this stuff is like, again, which helps because I'm so crap at craft things, is um, being really minimal for as long as possible. So I don't put any really effort into the, into the design and the art, except where I think it might be important to evoke a certain thing, and then uh, and then get the game as good as it can be before going into production. And so with uh, with Magnate right now, we're finally at the stage where it, the art it, it makes sense to start creating the art. Uh, and in fact, it's pretty manic right now. So uh, in seven days. Um, we have to be setting up for Tabletop Live at Alexandra mm-hmm. Palace. Uh, we'll, we'll be demoing the pretty prototype of Magnate for the first time ever. Because I did see um, on your blog some of the, the graphics or some of the images that you were working towards with the buildings. You'd shared, I think it was like a town hall or something. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's looking that's looking really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that's actually even, that one's even come a little bit further now. So it looks even more like a kind of, um, well, that one's modeled on is like a late 18th century, early 19th century American town hall, Mm -hmm. city hall. So it's like a mixture of brickwork with um, Roman kind of style white colonnades. So um, uh, it's, so so thank you very much for that. Yes. One of the key things is that we know is that it's to put effort into buildings. Um, I don't know if the buildings are really going to be quite there yet, but actually the Mm. way I see this is this is a bit of a bridge for me between a traditional board game and a miniatures game, because I think, and this is, this is a complete experiment. I could be completely, to be utterly wrong about this, but I think if we make the buildings nice enough, they will have an appeal for hobby board gamers that kind of just goes beyond the components in the sense that I think people, if they're detailed enough, people will actually enjoy painting them and actually making them kind of customizing them a bit to what they want to do with them. So I I, I think, so I think that's sort of an area where, um, yeah, I wanted to put that kind of effort into it. So those 3D buildings have now been printed and they are currently being resin molds are currently um, resin casts are being made of them so that we'll have the first models on the stand on Saturday, not, not tomorrow, but the next Saturday. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as, as much as people do scoff at it, I mean, you, you look at the success of Rising Sun. Yeah. Loads of people bought that just for the miniatures. They're, they yeah. are stunning miniatures. They are. 
but oh, it, yeah. it was funny because like people got Rising Sun and then were kind of surprised that it was actually a good game. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I, I've got all these cool miniatures, <laughs> and it's a good game to yeah. boot. So yeah, there you go. I don't think there's anything wrong no. with with making your no. game look pretty. So just on that, um, you'd mentioned that you're obviously going to be playtesting it. Have you got any other conventions or any other events lined up where you'll be pro- uh, playtesting? So uh, in terms of actual playtesting, in terms of tweaking it, mm-hmm. um, the, the, not anything booked in the diary now, but the kind of next step I'm doing is I've got a few kind of people, individuals that I want to test it with. And I want to start setting up regular playtesting in board game cafes, particularly ones in London. Um, it's mm-hmm. been brilliant doing a bit of a mini tour around the country. So I did I did uh, Manacon in Leicester, I did Handycon in Berkshire, and then I did sort of finish with Tabletop Scotland. Um, but to be honest, like obviously the, the, the cost racks up pretty quickly for doing that. So I probably will, for the next few months, keep it mostly London-based. But mm-hmm. there are now so many board game cafes opening in London that, mm-hmm. um, uh, that, that sh- there should be enough venues to sort of take it to. And that's I'm just trying to, I, I need to work all that all to work that out. Um, at the moment, I'm currently being pulled so much into the production side in terms of all the art, the graphic design, the 3D buildings, um, that, and the you know marketing stuff around that. Because because as well as Tabletop Live, where we demoed first, that's kind of in some ways still just the warm-up act because we're yeah. taking it to Essen. Uh, mm-hmm. And when we're there, we've got, we're there four days, we've got a stand, we'll have two table, two games running, hopefully simultaneously, constantly. Um, so kind of most of my efforts at the moment are going into making sure we have the best Essen that we can. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it's not cheap. Uh, and... I think we felt like, well, you know, you've got to do it one day, so let's do it this year rather than wait till next year. Um, but it, it, it has made the timeline pretty tough, to be honest. I feel your pain there. So, and as far as bringing the game to market, what's the plan? So, current plan is, is um, firstly, those playtesting events will continue because it'll help me with balancing, but at the same time, yep. I guess it just exposes people to the game. We've got the two uh, big shows coming up, so Tabletop Live and then Essen. Um, and then probably we'll be looking to do... Um, uh, kick, we'll probably be looking to do yeah, Kickstarter in March time next year. That's the current timeline we're looking at because a big thing for me is that like, I've got very good feedback from the game. I, I want it to have to be as successful at Kickstarter, of course, as it can be. And I think there's just a sort of uh, minimum momentum that you need to build up in order to make sure you have a really successful yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah. So Absolutely. for me... So, so for me, that that's really what build that momentum is, is is about. In terms of conventions next year, what we might do is uh, one of the ones I thought about is maybe doing Gamma, just because I think retailers are going to be interested from day one because it's a very, very accessible theme for a wider market. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's property, it's lovely physical buildings, it looks really nice. Price point is going to be something we're going to need to work through, I think, to make sure we can make a version that can that, that can be retailed. Because again, Kickstarter version, there is going to definitely be a deluxe one that's going to have all the bells and whistles, they would never be, we'd never be able to afford to build a completely, absolutely everything version for retail. But actually, I see this quite as a long-term thing. Uh, I, I think this game has huge potential to do very well in retail because it has a very accessible theme. Um, yeah. The idea of buildings, the fact that it is in response to such a famous game in many ways, I, I can see retailers kind of going for that, and I can see some real opportunities for really meaningful localization as well you know just as you have things like usaopoly where uh, you have lots of different local versions in different cities you know you could do 
a European-style city of magnate. To begin with, it's deliberately in America. It's like a small American city. Um, you could have larger cities with larger buildings. You could have buildings that are like modern buildings, but the kind of like really uh, more adventurous type skyscraper structures that you have in, for example, modern Asian cities. For example, there are so many. There's so much potential for it, kind of long the long term. I think so. The way that I see it is that like the Kickstarter is what makes it happen, and then after that, it's actually about taking it really far. And I think it's a game that it, that that because of the accessibility of its theme, because of its kind of middle weight, I think it's something that will appeal to people who want something a little bit more sophisticated than than the very gateway games, uh, but also something that is, that is that will appeal enough, has enough depth to it. The hobby board gamers will still be able to play it time after time and still enjoy it. Um, so for me, uh, yeah, it's all about just building that marketing momentum up to the Kickstarter is, is, is uh, and the product quality being paramount as well making sure that's the very best thing it can be when you're talking about all the different styles you could do an expansion that is brutalism <laughs> i am yeah. i am from cumbernauld i don't know if you know of cumbernauld i do not. consecutively won the carbuncle award which is the worst designed uh, town. Yes. and it's won it like seven years in a row and um billy Connolly refers to it as the concrete jungle it looks <laughs> like arse. The, the thing is, concrete jungle makes it sound quite exotic. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some dystopic nightmare. But that would be—I could just envision it, and I thought that's what I would—I would buy that. I would so buy just to have but that. I've, I've said dystopic nightmare, but but even now I'm thinking that implies that it's somehow exciting in some way. No, it's not. It's grey. It's grey and concrete. Yeah, and yet somehow a miniature version. With lots of lovely map tiles and loads of pieces yes. of that could be wonderful. So, be yeah, wonderful. <laughs> no, I honestly think, like, I mean, I, 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 why not? I mean, if you've got a particular building style, if it actually can be made to look quite aesthetic, so it's really yeah. time, maybe less in real life, then actually, um, why not? I mean, you, you've got something potentially special. There are loads of big brutalism fans out there. Yeah. So, um, uh, why not? That's what I'd say. Magnate Cumbernauld edition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It might be a few we need to work through first of major expansions. Maybe maybe the New York one will come a little bit ahead. Yes, yes. But well, if you have it, like you said, if you don't know Cumbernauld, Google it, just to give you a oh, sense. Yeah. It was it was phenomenal in the 70s, but it still looks that way. It's that yeah. sort of way that it's just it's never... The town that time forgot, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And that concrete beat to death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not so incredibly different from Croydon, where I'm based. Yeah. Because, oh, okay. like, you know, that, that went through a similar huge period in, in the 60s. And, I'm, and, and that has definitely been some kind of influence on me in terms of creating yeah. Yeah, like a rampant property construction thing. It's like yeah. every architectural committee in the 70s was like, do you know what's great? Concrete. Yeah. <laughs> pour it, pour it on yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just make everything from concrete from now on. Because it's great. Yeah, they probably like yeah. this. I always think that well, they must have seen it. Like lots of examples of those kind of modernist buildings being built in places like Los Angeles in the fifties yeah. and sixties, and they thought, "Oh, that looks really nice in the sunshine." And they haven't <laughs> thought about the fact in Britain, <laughs> where it's raining all the time and it gets covered in horrible streaky stuff all the time, just like the acid rain eating it away at it. That actually, it will look terrible really fast. Yeah, um, they get slimy. That's yeah. the thing. They actually yeah. get slimy. So see, see, anytime anyone's listening has someone hating on them, like, oh, your generation, this and that, <laughs> just remind those old <laughs> codgers that there was a time where they decided it would be a great idea to make everything out of concrete. <laughs> yeah. so who's the real idiot? Ex well, absolutely. 
Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, on that note, uh, I think we can draw this podcast yeah. to a close. Um, very quickly, James, for people who are interested in Nailer Games and Magnate, yes. uh, where, where should they go? So um, if you want to check out Magnate, just go to magnategame.com. Uh, that will You can sign up there to hear about the Kickstarter. It's got more information about the game. Uh, we also have our page now on BoardGameGeek as well, so feel free to check that out. There's some more information I'm gradually putting up there. And then if you want to learn more about the process behind Magnate and read some of my articles about where I kind of go into sort of uh, sort of quite sometimes quite deep analysis on different board game mechanics uh then nailergames.com is the place that you want to go uh, I, I update that with a new post each week uh like i say on all sorts of sort of board game related subjects there we have it fantastic yeah. james nailer thank you for joining us yeah uh, thank you it's been wonderful to be on the show and for all of our listeners wherever you are thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time bye 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 Hi guys, it's uh, Josh from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast here. Thanks for listening to us, and now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the Unlucky Frog Gaming. Uh, you can also show your support for Unlucky Frog through Patreon. Be sure to check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com, to find out more. Was that so hard? <laughs> <I'm>, look... <laughs>